right, at this time, very quietly, the kids are dismissed for Kids Zone. So if you want to slowly make your way uh, to the back, I want to say thank you to Jonathan and Stephanie for helping us. Let's give it up for them this morning. Amen. Um, oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention something regarding the Thanksgiving baskets. Uh, if there are families that you know um, that th- would be benefited by a Thanksgiving basket, if you can just please let us know, you can do that on the communication card. Uh, you can just write, um, you know, just hey, Thanksgiving basket. What we do is we actually empower you as, uh, as individuals, as, as people within the church to, to bring Thanksgiving baskets to people. So if you know of those who would be blessed by it, please let us know. Um, we generally give out about uh, what, 50 to 60 boxes in a year. So we're just, we're just, we just love to be generous and to love to bless people. All right. How many are feeling hungry yet? Okay. How many know lunch is coming? All right. I got teenagers raising hands going, ooh, eating would be good. Um, you know, so I, I want to ask you a question. So this is an opportunity for feedback this morning. How many love feedback? Okay, some of you, you're not so sure. <laughs> you're not so sure. Is it okay to make a little noise in church this morning? All right. Can anybody recommend to me a good place to go and get lunch after service? Momos. Momos. All right, I got Momos. Anyone else? What, what are some other? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. How many know Jesus Chicken on a Sunday doesn't exist? You're going to travel and get there and find they're closed on Sundays. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. How many know Pastor Dwayne is not always helpful? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I feel sometimes. So, uh, Anyone else? So, you know, Because I've been bacheloring it a little bit, and, and I need some recommendations. Good, good place to see. Yes, Kristen. Crossroads? Yeah, Crossroads is a good place. How many like Crossroads? Yeah, this is good. All right, anyone else? Anyone else? Good, good places to eat. What, what did I hear? Oh. Best place to eat at homes. Eat at homes. Uh, McDonald's. Ah, uh, now you're talking my love language. Right, Wayne? I'm just, I'm just kidding. Hey, who doesn't like salty burgers? Poor quality, rubbery bread, pretend cheese. Oh, it's good stuff. Anyone else? I recommend some good stuff. Applebee's. What was that up there? What, what? Chipotle. All right, got that one. Okay, someone this morning at our Dryden campus is like going, I was like, where's a good place to eat? And they're like, Key West. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't know that I'll be able to make it for lunch, but I should try, right? Now, now it's kind of fun. So I, so I go, hey, what's a good place to eat? Now, now all of you, it, you know, as, as you go through, it's kind of fun watching the room as you ask for good places to eat be, because different ones are like, they're calling out, oh, this place, because they've been there, they've tasted it, they've experienced it, and they're like, going, you know, this is a good place. This'll, this will help you if you're looking for a place to eat. This is a good place to go. And it's fun, and, and some names get mentioned, and everyone's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, and there's the nodding, there's the affirming, the group affirmation, this is good. And then there's others where they come out, and it's like, eh. And some people are like, this is great, and other people are like, uh. And it's, you don't see all the faces. I got a bunch of them. It was kind of fun. But, but, but it's interesting that, that if you ask, hey, where's a good place to eat? We have no real issue with being able to talk about it. Right, because we've experienced it. We, we've been to these places. Hey, I like this. You know, I, nobody said boatyard, though. I think that's a fun place to eat. And, and I can think of a whole bunch of different ones. Every once in a while, we go to Deganic Farms Inn. That's an interesting place to eat. Uh, that's, like, that's like when you have gift cards. Uh, <laughs> Texas Day Brazil, we went there. That's a good place. You know, you think that these are good places. I've experienced it. It is a good thing. And the thing that I've come to know in life, if something is good, it's worth sharing. Can I get a witness on that? Like, if you have a good experience, you have a good encounter, you're like, hey, why would did this, so-and-so? And, and, and it's the good stuff we want to communicate. Well, we're in the midst of, of this uh, uh, conversation or this, this series entitled Better Than Good. That, that, that's talking about the gospel as good news. It's the declaration of victory that, that, you know what, Christ has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And it is a message that is good. It's a message that changes. It's a message that needs to be shared. Now, our theme verse is from Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
For it is the power of God for the salvation of those who are in my family. Right? Or just the people I like. It's a, it's a good news for those who are like me. Actually, it's, it says it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. It's the salvation that, it, it, is the, it is the good news that brings salvation to everyone. Paul understands that without the gospel, there really is no transformation. Like, if you, just, if you just try and change the external things, you, you may create some improvement, but, but ultimately, how many know what's inside comes out? And so there's a need for an internal change. And it's what the gospel does. The gospel changes us on the inside, and that inside change begins to manifest itself in our lives. So Paul would write a little further into Romans, and he would say this, he says in Romans 10, verse 9, if we declare with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay? So, so there's this confession piece. If you declare, if you speak Jesus as Lord, and just so you know, this is a, a huge loaded thing because in Roman, in Roman society, um, if you were a Roman citizen or a, a subject of Rome, once a year at certain points, you would actually have to make a verbal declaration that Caesar is Lord. That you are acknowledging a divinity or divine quality about him. You are, you are acknowledging your subservience to him, that you were subject to Caesar. And so the Roman Empire would declare, at a given time, people would come around, they have to pay a tax and say, Caesar is Lord. Yet for the early church, they couldn't say that because they knew that there was only one Lord, and that Lord was Jesus. And, 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 and it's an amazing thing that, that, that Paul says, listen, you want to be saved, there's this confession, and the confession is that my life is lived for Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He's the leader of my life. He's the one under whom I place myself. He is my ultimate authority and accountability. And he says, if you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There'll be this work of salvation that will begin. It's working you, this a process of rescue, of redemption, of restoration. He goes on to say, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And then he'll say this in verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he asks this question, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they hear without someone proclaiming or preaching to them? How can they hear unless someone is saying something? And not only that, how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul quotes from the Old Testament. How many here feel like you got beautiful feet? You're like, your side hustle is I could be a foot model. <laughs> right? We're just, some of you are like going, no, how many got ugly feet? You just, you just, you embrace the ugly foot. <laughs> Which is always fun, right? If you'd like to see an ugly foot, right? No, but, but, but Paul says, listen, beautiful feet are those who bring good news. And he's quoting from Isaiah the prophet. And Isaiah would say this in, in Isaiah chapter uh, 52 verse 7, he says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. How beautiful are the feet. Paul will go on to say, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. 
You see, as we talk about the gospel, the thing you have to understand about the gospel, for the gospel to have impact, it actually has to be shared. And how many know good things are worth sharing? And, and, and this morning, as we, as, as we look at this next little segment of, of, of better than good, um, we're going to talk about being empowered for purpose. And, and the big idea we're going to think around is simply this, that the promise of the Father empowers the purpose of the Savior. The promise of the Father empowers the purpose of the Savior. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 24. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. And um, Luke is writing this, this, grand, uh, this great narrative about Jesus and the church. Now, as, as we come to the gospel, you'll look as you turn to Luke chapter 24, you'll find out this is the last chapter in the gospel of Luke, and then it kind of ends, and then it's interrupted by what we, would, what we call the gospel of John, and then the next book is Acts. What you have to understand is that Luke is not writing, uh, you know, he's not writing the gospel of Luke and then puts his pen down and says, hey, I'm going to come back to the subject a couple years later and then write about it. What he's actually doing is he is writing about the, 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 the work of Christ, what was working in him and what has worked out through him as a single piece. The problem was is it was long. And so because of its length, Luke turned out to be the first volume and then the second volume is Acts, but it's one thing. And so to really understand what's going on in Acts, you actually have to understand Luke. And to understand what's going on in Luke, you actually have to look at Acts. So they, they kind of go together. And so what would happen as you'd come to, to these two volume things, as you come to the end of one, what they would do is they would highlight some pieces. And then as they start the next book, what they would do is they would reiterate some of the stuff at the closing in order to show that these two books go together. And so if you read the Chapter 24 of Luke, you'll find some different ideas and statements that get restated in Acts chapter 1. And so what we'll do this morning is we're going to touch on some stuff from Luke chapter 24, and we're going to see how it kind of echoes again in Acts chapter uh, 1. Now, as Luke is writing in Luke chapter 24, uh, we, we find out that the, the setting is, is this is the first Easter and we're going to see this is, this is that moment when Jesus appears to his followers as a group in, in, the, in that upper room. Now, at the time, they're hiding and they're fearful. that They're concerned because what they did to Jesus, they're concerned the Romans might do to them. And so they're saying, hey, we need, we need to lay low for a while. And so they're, they're hiding in rooms. They're locking doors. They're trying to keep people out. But not only are they wrestling with a, some fear, and are they hiding? But there's also this sense of uncertainty and unsettledness that they're beginning to experience. You see, they had begun to get reports on that day um, that there, there were some strange things to happen, to say the least. Like, there were reports that the place where Jesus is buried, the, the stone that's in front of the tomb isn't in front of the tomb anymore. The, the tomb is open. And, and not only that, the body of Jesus that was laid in there on that Friday is nowhere to be seen. And then on top of it, they're beginning to hear reports from people who are saying, we just saw Jesus, and he's not dead. Like, there was Mary... And then in Luke, there's the two men on the road to Emmaus. They're like going, okay, Jesus isn't dead. And, and so the, the, the disciples are in this upper room. They're a little bit fearful, but they're also like going, okay, so what is going on? And it seems to have there's more questions than answers. And so as it begins in verse 36, it says this, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, notice what Luke says. He says that Jesus himself, like there's an emphasis, it's in, it's in the emphatic position. It's like going, listen, Jesus, like not, not an idea of Jesus, not an apparition of Jesus, but Jesus himself was standing among them. And it says in verse 37 that they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost, because that's what would make sense. He died, and now we see him? 
alive? And just so you know, how, how many know that, that just because you get smarter doesn't mean you're not superstitious at times? How many know you can have lots of education and you can still believe all sorts of things? How do you make sense of this? And so they began, they thought, it's a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? And I'd be like, because you were dead. <laughs> and now it appears you're not. He says this, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still not, did not believe, notice this. <laughs> How many know some, some people can be slow to believe? Even when the living Jesus is in front of you. And while they still did not believe, it was because of joy and amazement. They were just like, going, dude, this is, this is way outside any category that we have. And he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of, of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And just so you know, those three are the three major areas of the Hebrew uh, Bible. Um, the Moses, prophets, and the Psalms are the writings. And then it says this, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. And he told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So as we look at this passage, I want to note quickly three things. The first is this. As we look at this passage, we're reminded again that the gospel of Jesus is a message for all people. It's, it's a message for all people. It, it, it is Jesus who says um, that, that this message will be preached to all nations. You see, from the very beginning of Luke's gospel... He wants people to know that the good news of Jesus is for everyone. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter the nation of your birth. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic place. It doesn't matter your level of education. It doesn't matter if, if you're tall, short, thick or thin, whatever it is. That the gospel is for you. It is for everyone. Not just the likely people, but also the unlikelies and the outsiders. And he says this gospel, this message that, that Jesus has come, that he has suffered, died, and now has risen again. He has made a way possible for everybody to come back into right relationship with God. Now, it's interesting when you look at the different Gospels. you got the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Matthew has a genealogy in it, and so does the Gospel of Luke. Matthew's genealogy goes back to Abraham because Abraham is writing to a Jewish audience to help everybody, all the Jewish people to understand that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He is the fulfillment of what God has been doing and what God has been up to. Luke, though doesn't just go back to Abraham. He keeps going back further and further and further. And he actually, his genealogy begins with Adam. Because the message of the gospel is for all people. 
You see, sometimes we, we can feel like we're disqualified because, you know, we, we've got our issues, we've, we've failed, we've got all these different things going on. Yet the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people. And that what Jesus has come to do is help people restore a right relationship with God. And he says, hey guys, listen, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed or preached in his name to all nations. That through repentance... Now, anybody here ever get lost? You're driving around and you get lost. You're not quite sure where you are. And you know that point that you realize you're lost? You go, oh, what I need to do is I need to turn around. I mean, we've done that before. I've got to, like, recalculate, right? You know your little GPS recalculating? Recalculating. Like I gotta, I gotta go in a different direction. I, I can't keep going in the direction I'm going because if I continue in the direction I'm going, I'm actually gonna get farther or I'm going to miss the destination that I was aiming at. And the reality is, is that all of humanity, because of our sins, we're going off in all sorts of directions. We all know this. We, we look at our schedules, our busyness. We, our, our lives are moving in so many different directions. And, and, and we're chasing the things that we think are going to bring us life and fulfillment. Yet Luke is like, guys, listen, the, the place of fulfillment, the place of life is found in Jesus. And the only way you can experience it is when you turn back to God. And when you do, when you make that turn, then what Jesus does is he begins to forgive your sins. He begins to break things off in your life that you don't have to live under the power of the direction and the decisions you were under before, that all of a sudden God begins to set you free so that you might know life. And see, this is the message of the gospel. It is a, it is a message for all people. And it truly is the demonstration of God's love for us and, and, and the reflection of God's desire that he longs to rescue, he longs to redeem, and he lo longs to restore every single person. There is no one we run into that God is not concerned about. And that's important for us to understand. And so he invites wayward individuals to come home. He never forces them. He never compels them. He says, hey, come back. The message of the gospel is an invitation for you and me to have a change in our lives so that we can actually experience the life we were created for. You see, the gospel of Jesus is a message for all people. As we continue to look, we see this also, that the followers of Jesus have been called to be witnesses. What is a witness? A witness is one who gives testimony to verify truth. Or to verify something. How many know there's a big difference between being a witness and being an attorney? What have we been called to be as followers of Jesus? Witnesses. What do witnesses do? They bear testimony regarding what God has done in and through Jesus Christ. You see, the role of a witness is to share what they have seen, what they have heard, what they have touched, what they have tasted, what they have discovered, what they know. And we need to understand that as followers of God, we are called to bear witness to His love and to His grace. This is actually one of the fundamental roles of being the people of God. That in a world that, that is chasing all sorts of different things... We have been given the task, task of bearing witness to the love and grace and goodness of God. You see, we get to testify with our words and with our lives. Now, in this, I got, I, I don't know if it's bad news, but it's just news. How many ready for some news? Do you know what the Greek word used here for witness is? The Greek word is martyrion, or martyrios, right? Depends on the ending. It's where we get our English word, martyr. Ooh. Because what is a martyr? One who bears witness with their lives, their trust, their confidence in who Jesus is and what he has done. 
the recognition that, you know what, even if the whole world is against me, my life will bear witness to Christ. This is why the early church, when they said, you know what, we will not say Caesar is Lord simply because we believe Jesus is Lord because of that simple statement. Because they bore witness to who Jesus was. There were many who were persecuted and even killed simply because they believed, because they had experienced the power and the salvation of the risen Lord. And you and I, and I think this is so important, you and I are called to bear witness to the goodness of the gospel. You see, every one of us actually has a story. We, we've, as followers of Jesus, we've had encounters with Jesus. Our lives have been interrupted by His grace. We, 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 we've, seen, we've seen His transformation at work in our lives. Our stories are stories of rescue and redemption and restoration. And even though it's not all done yet and, and we haven't seen the fullness of all we're hoping for, we have seen God do something in us. And we are called to be witnesses. We are called to share our story. See, my, my, my challenge to you is share your story. Share your story of the gospel. Because again, as, as Paul says, how are people going to be able to believe? How are people going to be able to experience the salvation of our God if people aren't sharing the story? See, many times we want to just defer and say, you know whose responsibility it is? Let's put it on Pastor Dwayne. Can I get a witness? He's our social media guy. We'll just dump it on social media. And uh, he, he will do it on behalf of our church. Or, or, or we'll say, oh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll put it on Pastor Dave or Pastor Rachel. Or, or, or we'll, we'll, we'll put it on someone else. Yet Jesus looks at his followers and says, guys, listen, you're my witnesses. You know what just surprises me? Surprises, shocks, scares me. We are God's plan to reach our families, our communities, our country, and our world. I don't know about you, but that scares me. Now, and I'm going to say this next thing just, just graciously. This is just kind of fun. Like, this is, not, this is not judgy. This is just fun. Dude, we have a hard time even getting to church on time. You want us to bear witness to what? Like, it's, it's true. Like, it's, it's hard for us. We're like, oh, my goodness. I just like, oh, my goodness. And then there's those moments. Anybody have a bad moment last week? Don't raise your hands. I'm just kidding. Raise your hands. We all did, right? We're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, oh, my, ugh. not me. And God's like, no, guys, listen, you are my plan. How many know that our world is in trouble and our world needs salvation? And sometimes we're waiting for someone to swoop in and make it all good. Like maybe we can get the right party in power or maybe we can get the, the right government program or, or maybe if we can, you know, maybe if we can just do this or do that. Maybe if we get all of this, then we'll get the good stuff. Now listen, some of that stuff, it can be helpful. But how many know that if you don't change the interior of a person, it doesn't matter how much window dressing you put on unless the heart is transformed there really isn't change. And God looks at our world and says, guys, listen, I came, I gave my life, I died, I rose again. This is the good news that will save and change everybody. And you, you're my witnesses. You're my witnesses. Now, listen, I, how many feel like, dude, I am so inadequate to the challenge? Me? You, you don't know what issues I have. God's like, yeah, I know your issues. But you're my witness. 
And then he goes on, Jesus goes on to say the next thing, and I think this is so important if we're going to be witnesses. He says this, guys, listen, you're my witnesses, and I recognize this is going to be a big ask. I understand that you are going to live in a world that's going to be hostile to you at times, that you are going to present ideas, and, and you're, you're going to hold to positions that, that aren't always going to be celebrated or, or, or approved by culture. But if we're going to see the change... You get to be my witnesses. I know, I know you can't do this in yourself, and so what I need you to do is I need you to wait in the city for the gift my Father promised. You see, what God has called us to do, He empowers us to do. And He says, listen, I, wanna, I, 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 wanna, I want you to understand that, that you need the Holy Spirit so that you might actually live the purpose, that you might be the witness. Jesus said this, I, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. I'm going to send it to you so, so that you don't have to be like so overwhelmed and, and you don't have to live with it in the fear and the unsettledness. I want to give you a gift that will empower and enable you to be the witnesses that I need you to be. So as we go to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1 begins saying, hey, Jesus showed up to his disciples and he gave himself many different convincing proofs. Things like he showed up in their midst behind locked doors. He, he ate. He's like, look at my, my scars. He, he, they watched him eat. They experienced the, the resurrected Lord. And then it says he went on and he began to teach them and he was giving all this information about the kingdom of heaven and the purpose that they were being called to. And he says, but guys, listen, you, you can have the right ideas, your right instruction, but what you really need is you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. How many of you like waiting? If there's a line, I want to be in it. Okay, so I want to tell you about the blessed the blessing that sits on my life, if there is a line and I pick a line, it doesn't matter how short that line is, it will become a long line. It happens at the border, it happens at the restaurant, I mean at the, at the grocery store, you're like, I'll take this line, you're like, oh my goodness, it happens at the gas station when there's people waiting and you have to pull in behind someone. Because you're like, oh, this person looks like they're almost done, but they decide to sit in their vehicle for another 20 minutes. You're like, just go. You know, I don't like waiting. And Jesus is like, guys, listen, what you need to do is you need to wait. Wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days he will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift my father promised. Now, if we had lots of time, we would look at John chapter 20 and see that, 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 on, that on that first Easter, he steps into the room and breathes on his disciple and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Yet then he goes on to say, but what I need you to do now is I need you to wait for this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And he says, it, it talks about it as a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and to baptize means to immerse or to dip. It, it's, a, it's about a life that gets absolutely saturated and surrounded by the element. And God says, listen, I, I know the Spirit of God is in you, but if you're going to be the witnesses I need you to be, then what you need is you need the Holy Spirit to absolutely surround and saturate your life. Wait for the gift my Father promised. Now, it's hard to believe that we're already approaching the gift-giving season. How many of you have already started your Christmas shopping? Let's see all the overachievers. Raise your hands. Oh, look at them. Right? It's not Christmas Eve. No need to start. I'm just kidding. But, you know, sometimes we, we, we give out of obligation. I have to do it. But there's a total different thing when, 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 when we love someone and it comes to giving a gift. We want to give them a gift. Like, we're motivated. It's just like going, I can't wait to give them this gift. This is going to be so good for them. I know who they are. I love them. I want the best. And I can't wait till they Get this gift. And that's what the Father does to us. He loves us and He has a gift that He longs to give us. And that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus would go on to say in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That, that, that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this baptism in the Holy Spirit is going to empower you that you may be the witness that God has called and created you to be. And so he says, I want you to wait. Wait for it. And again, our tendency is to hurry ahead. And you look at our schedules, our schedules are filled with hurry. Our, our schedules are full. Like it, it's hard to squeeze things in at times. And God's like, listen, I got a gift for you, but part of receiving this gift is learning to wait. Which is so hard for us because, you know what, that there's a need that needs to be dealt with right now. And Jesus is like, guys, listen, you got to wait. You got to wait. You, you got to, and, and, and waiting doesn't mean like you're just passive. It, it actually is the idea that there's expectation, that there's an earnestness. It's the idea of you're kind of leaning in, you're, you're expecting it, you're waiting for it. There, there's, there's anticipation. Wait for the gift. Luke would write about Jesus teaching on prayer. And you're familiar with the, the, the whole area that says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. And just so you know, each of those contexts is not just like ask once and then just go away. The idea is ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. It's in the present continuous tense, which means this is what we are called to do. And he goes on to say that if you have this posture of asking and seeking and knocking, this continualness, this, this, this learning to wait, he says, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And he says, hey, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Now, now just so you know, this is not about pets. How I many know it'd be pretty cool? Hey, Dad, can I, get a, can I get a fish? And he brings home, you know, like this huge snake. He'd be like, this is so cool, Dad. Um, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about eating. Like if, if a son is like, Dad, I'm hungry. Can I have a piece of fish? And he gives you a snake. And the idea is it's not a cooked snake. It, it's a snake that can actually harm you. So, so it's not like if you're a dad and you're like, hey, your son's like going, dad, I'm hungry, can I have a piece of fish? And he goes, no, uh, yeah, here, have something that will harm you, right? And he goes on to say, hey, if someone asks, um, or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? And we're like going, no, because but that would harm them. How many know as dads, we try to do our best? We don't always succeed. To make sure that our kids get good things. Even though we do get them at McDonald's every once in a while, right? Well, Mickey D's, right? But then he goes on to say this, if you then, though you are evil, and all he's doing is he's presenting a contrast, how many know God is good? How many know we're less than good? And that if you put, if you put human morality, sorry, human frailty next to God's perfection, we miss it by a whole lot. And he's like going this, hey guys, listen, if you, if you are imperfect and, you're, and there's parts of you that is nothing like God, and he says, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Like, we're, we're, as a dad, it's a no-brainer, I'll give, I'll give you something good. And, and we're talking about a perfect father who says, listen, I have a perfect gift for you. Can I just tell you something? Because I know sometimes we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and there's a, there could be a hesitancy. Can, can I just tell you something? Um, we can trust our Father. I know God has good gifts for us. He knows what he's doing. And, and part of this is this, this learning to trust. And, and really, what does it mean to wait? It, it's an aspect where we enter into the, this worship and begin to magnify who God is. There's this aspect of aligning because, hey, guess what? We don't measure up. We're, we're, not, we're not always on the same page as God. And so there's an alignment issue that has to take place. There's repentance. There's like, Jesus, I need you to help because, Lord, I, am, I know that I am wandering once again. 
It's about interceding and asking, God, I, I, I need you to do something in me because, God, I need you to help me be the husband you need me to be, the father you need me to be. God, I, I need you to help me because, God, there's these situations. Lord, I watch in our community. I watch at my work. I watch these things. And, God, I need you to do something. This is what intercession is about. This, this, is, this is what waiting involves. And ultimately, we need the Holy Spirit to empower our lives because how can we ever be witnesses that God is calling us to be in our own strength? This is why I say the promise of the Father empowers the purpose of the Savior, which is to be witnesses. I want to invite the worship team to come as we close. Okay, as we close, a few things. How are we empowered for purpose? Number one, we have to accept our calling. We have to accept our calling. Listen, you are God's plan. You are His witness. Will you accept that responsibility? Will you own that calling with your life? Because we watch our world, and our hearts are broken, and our hearts are disturbed, and we're saying, God, we need something to change. And God's like, yeah, I know. And that's why you're here. And the question that I have for everyone, because listen, the gospel is good news. And good news is for sharing. The gospel is for salvation for anyone and everyone who believes. And God says, okay, so, so what I'm going to do is I am going to release my followers. And they get to be my witness. And what you and I have to do, we have to accept that responsibility. Some of you, you've, you've been praying for someone else to step in and make something right. And God in His grace may do that. But until that person shows up, you're the person. You're the person. You're the one who with your words and with your life, you get to bear witness to the resurrection of our Savior. That He is the God who died and paid the penalty for every sin, including every one of our sins. And He has come to life to give life. And we have to accept our calling. If we're ever going to be empowered for purpose, we have to understand we are called to be witnesses. We are called to be witnesses. Not attorneys. Our responsibility is to bear witness to the goodness and life of our Savior. Not only that, we have to seek the Spirit's filling. Again, the task that's been given to us is bigger than us. And our world needs the message of the gospel. It has the power to set people free to heal the brokenhearted, to give beauty for ashes, to give joy for mourning. We can't do this on our own. We need the Spirit's empowerment. I, I believe that there is a prayer of desperation that needs to arise from our hearts that says, Lord, we just need you. We need your help. We need your power. And, and we need to learn to wait upon God. A again, understand... Our lives are so busy and lived in such hurry. And I remember hearing one person say that hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. And sometimes it's the hurry that's keeping us from the fullness of life that God has for us. And if we don't have time to wait in His presence, it may be that we're too busy. Not only that, if we're going to be empowered for purpose... Not only do we accept our calling, not do, only do we seek the Spirit's filling, but we have to learn to partner with the Spirit. We have to learn to partner with the Spirit of God is doing. Oh, I wish I had more time. I don't. In the creation account, the Spirit of God is hovering over the darkness, just waiting to make something good. And then God does something. 
he speaks. And he begins to transform the chaos into something beautiful. I want you to know over the chaos of our families, over the chaos of our communities and our country and our world, the Spirit of God hovers, waiting for people to begin to speak so he can begin to change the chaos into something good. We have to learn to partner with the Spirit. This is why I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important because it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, they began to speak as the Spirit enabled. The people began to give voice. They began to give expression to what the Spirit of God was stirring inside them. And because they could do it in a private place, they were able to go out into a world and change it. And I believe that's what our God does today too. The Spirit of God begins to stir us. And we get to the place where it has to get beyond our own words and our own understandings and our own thoughts. And so what we do by faith is we begin to speak out. And we begin to give voice to what it is the Spirit is stirring in us. And as we do, we give permission for the Spirit of God to begin to transform the darkness. This is why I believe every follower of Jesus needs to be filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. Because when you do, you're giving the Holy Spirit permission to begin to work through the chaos, to bring life. And listen, if we can learn how to do this in private... Oh, I get so much better in public. And not by public meaning that I'm going to do this all up, but we get this sensitivity to the spirit stirring in our lives that all of a sudden we, we begin to do like they did in the, old, I mean, in the New Testament where John and Peter are walking and they see a man and they say, you know what? The Holy Spirit wants to change this circumstance. And so they're like, hey, listen, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, we want to just give to you. And so in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And here's a man whose life is in total chaos and disarray. He's limited by the power that he is under. Yet because of the message of the gospel, he's running and leaping and praising God. And everybody's like going, listen, an outstanding thing has happened and we can't argue against it. Because there's a changed life. You see, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, folks. We need it not just so that we can have a feel-good moment. We need it because we live in a very broken world. A very, very broken world. And the only thing that can bring salvation is Jesus. And he says to us this morning, you are my witnesses. It's you. It's you. It's you. For the chaos and the darkness, it's you. May we, may we accept our calling. May we seek the Spirit's filling. May we learn to partner with the Spirit in order that we might walk in the power that has been promised to us. For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and all Samaria. And to the very end of the, to the very ends of the earth. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, I thank you that the gospel, your gospel, is a message for all people. Lord, I thank you that the gospel is the hope for our families. 
It's the hope for our communities, Lord. It is the hope for our country. It's the hope for our world. Lord, I thank you that you have triumphed over death in order that life might be manifest. Lord, thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for changing our story. And you declare us to be your witnesses. To bear testimony with our words and with our lives. To your resurrection and to your power. Lord, we can't do this on our own. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. Jesus, you promised to send the gift of the Father. God, we open our hearts to you. Just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would just simply say, you know what? I hear Christ calling to be a witness for him. And you would just simply say, God, I need your help to be the witness you're calling me to be. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Because I want to pray with you. Lord, you see these hands? Lord, we need you. We need your grace. We need your transformation. We need your change. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're one of those lives that has, go, has been going in a direction away from God. And you're like, you know what? You're, you're, you just recognize, I, I need a change of direction. I want you to know that God loves you. He knows your background. He knows your story. And he longs to bring you to life. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what? I, I, need, I need God to change my life, to change my direction. If that's you, would just raise your hand because I want to pray with you. See that hand and that one and that one. Lord, you see these hands and you see these hearts. Father, we need your grace to make a life. Lord, we need your spirit to help us be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.